Welcome to Boo Crew Kate's Files. I'm your host, Bree Schroeder. I'm sitting in the old historic Corbin Mansion with a legend here, the ah. legend of Spokane, Mr. Chet Kasky. You are the Spokane local historian. Welcome to the show, sir. Pleasure being here. Chet, tell us a little bit about yourself, please. Well, Bree, I'm an old man. I'm uh, 70 years old. I grew up in New Orleans. Uh, and came here for retirement about 17 years ago into Spokane. I do want to take a moment though, you have written some books and you have upcoming events. Would you like to tell us a little bit about it so that the listeners can come see you and pick those books up? Well, I did for about a decade, I did walking tours of, uh, of paranormal sites downtown. I, I'm getting uh, a little older now, no longer do that as much, but I do, uh, I do, do historical talks uh, history of Spokane, both for the Parks Department here for the City of Spokane, Visit Spokane, which is our, our uh, Chamber of Commerce. I'm a longstanding member of that and supporter of, uh, of tourism for Spokane. So uh, I'm usually featured when I do events through those uh, activities uh, uh, anymore uh, instead of running uh, my own bus tours and walking tours. I'm getting a little bit older for that. Charles and I have talked about you many times. We talk about telling stories and the best storyteller is Chet Kasky. Ah! <laughs> I think that, that you have a story to share though about Corbin Mansion. Could you tell us a little bit about well, we're it? Sitting, we're sitting in Corbin Mansion. It was built and uh, completed, I should say, in uh, 1898. Uh, by a multi-multi-millionaire, Daniel Chase Corbin, who in uh, America's very cruel, gilded age of tyrants and, uh, uh, and terrible men, I would guess he would be a poster child. Uh, he would be one of the ones we think of when we think of America's gilded age. He, wa he was a tyrant, he uh, uh, was very cruel, he was very, very, very rich. Uh, and he uh, uh, treated almost everybody around him with contempt. He built this uh, uh, mansion for himself uh, and his wife um, and uh, uh, two children. Um, his wife was Louisa Jackson. Uh, and, but when he brought Louisa here, uh, he was a builder of railroads, so when he brought Louisa here and his two children uh, in his private railroad car, uh, they got a, 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 a taxi or the 19th century equivalent of a limo up here on the hill to this mansion, and she got out and famously said, and it was quoted in our local newspapers, Spokane is, uh, quote, a dirty little place with dirty little people, end quote, and she refused to stay here even one night in the mansion, demanded to go back to her private railroad car and then be taken back east and and uh, a house bought for her in Paris. Now when she, she said Paris to her husband, she didn't mean Paris, Texas. She meant Paris, Paris. Uh, and he did set her up with a, with a house there for her to complete raising their three kids. And he lived here, uh, as, uh, not essentially, but exclusively as a bachelor. Wow. I as he built that. and controlled railroads and property here and made even more millions. Wow. He built seven railroads when he was here, and he was the first to build a railroad into uh, Idaho, into the silver and, and gold regions. Okay. And uh, of course, he demanded uh, partial interest in all the mines that uh, he had uh, 
uh, laid uh, railroad tracks uh, near and uh, became fabulously wealthy. Wow, that's an incredible story. Like I said, I had no idea about his wife. I, I honestly thought that they all lived here happily ever after. No, the, nobody was happy here, <laughs> and that includes Corbin himself. Wow. Uh, and we are uh, at this uh, very uh, moment. Uh, uh, we are uh, guests uh, in this house. Uh, the long-standing uh, long uh, spirit and uh, hostess of the house, uh, who was... Uh, uh, originally named Hilda Larson. She was a Swedish immigrant in the 1890s that came to Spokane, barely could speak English. She was uh, uh, just a, a teenager. Uh, and she was uh, f 43 years younger than Corbin hmm. at that time. And uh, jobs were very difficult to get. And the only job she could get was in this mansion as a charwoman. Now what a charwoman is, is the lowest on the echelon of servants in a mansion like this. And her job, usually fell to women, uh, was only to wash the windows and scrub the floors every day. That was it. Wow. But she was in this mansion very few days with her job. And part of her job is that she was allowed to live in the attic with, uh, with a, another uh, female uh, servant. She was here just a very few days uh, before Corbin, uh, the owner, made it clear to her that she had other duties besides being a charwoman. She, she, she was expected to be on his, uh, the beck and call of his fiendish desires, 24-7, 365, no additional uh, compensation. She tried, the poor thing tried to rebel. She, uh, we had in Spokane five large Swedish churches then. She was uh, very religious. Her church tried to help her. Uh, they even tried to get uh, together a fund of money that she could escape and go to Seattle with. But uh, uh, Corbin and his team of lawyers here in Spokane got word of that and, uh, and ended that. The bottom line is, despite their collections and their prayers and their outreaches and their sympathy, she, had, she was uh, dying of starvation and she had no alternative to come back here to the mansion and live in the bondage of this terrible Gilded Age fiend for a number of years. After his uh, wife, uh, uh, Louisa Jackson, died uh, in Paris, um, then, uh, then Corbin uh, and his lawyers, of course, uh, first forced her to change her name to Anna Louise because he didn't like immigrants. And then he sent, uh, sent her uh, to uh, a finishing school in New York with the instructions to uh, teach her to speak English without an accent because he hated people speaking English without an accent. They accomplished that in a few months uh, and she came uh, and then he met her in New York and she was forced to marry him, which she did. And they came back to Spokane here where they were basically um, pariahs. Um, poor Hilda was too ashamed uh, to go into uh, downtown. She knew that people in her church knew what her situation was, that she had, uh, out of desperation, surrendered to the bondage of this tyrant, mm -hmm. uh, that she was in his uh, captivity, so to speak, this mink-lined cell uh, where she remained. She uh, stayed in the mansion. She did not want to be seen outside of the mansion. And uh, her and Corbin were treated as pariahs. 
That didn't bother Corbin. He was a pry anyway. He, he just disliked the people of Spokane and anyone that wasn't directly in his service helping him to make money. Well, in 1918, he died uh, downtown uh, at his, uh, slipped on the marble floor of his office and uh, was taken to Sacred Heart Hospital where he died of a, uh, a blood clot. And Hilda was left here all alone. As things turned out, the fiend, Corbin, uh, tried even from the grave to reach out and keep Hilda in bondage. She, he willed her this mansion, no money to upkeep it, but he willed her the mansion, but should she ever try to sell it or ever try to get married to anyone else, the legacy was canceled. She was out on the street with nothing. Wow. So she remained in the house here. And then to add uh, insult to injury, Corbin set up a trust fund, not for her, but to pay the wages of two servants he selected to keep his, their eye on him even after he died. They would be paid from the trust fund. And one was the gardener of the mansion here and one was the chauffeur. So uh, Lalage and, uh, and Paulson were their two names. And uh, in very short order, um, uh, they tried to uh, convince her to burn down the house, um, which it didn't happen. Uh, and then there was, uh, at a court hearing, uh, they produced affidavits that uh, they thought she was mad, uh, insane, because she thought that the ghost of Corbin was haunting her. That may or may not have been the case, but the judge, uh, an old friend of Corbin's, uh, directed that she be uh, confined in our local insane asylum, which is Medical Lake um, Eastern State Hospital for the Insane. The name has changed, of course, <laughs> these days. Where she stayed for two, for two years before lawyers that gave her their services pro bono could finally get her out and she returned to the mansion here. What year was that that she was put at Eastern State Hospital? 1920 and wow. 22. That, that's just sad. I mean, that whole story of, of her arrival and what a sad way to live and, and not have any control within your own life. Cruelty is yeah. immortal, you know, it goes way back. Mm -hmm. um, and so when she got out of the uh, Eastern State Hospital for the Insane, she came here and we're here in um, the only semi-feminine room in the entire mansion. Uh, the rest of it, it was uh, decorated pretty bleakly by Corbin in his life. But this is the ladies' parlor, and the story was that uh, uh, Anna, Anna Louise or, or Hilda, uh, however you wish to call her name, would get up and get dressed every morning and go and sit uh, in that uh, window box right there uh, that we're looking at in the corner, and that she would look out over uh, the city of Spokane that she was too humiliated and embarrassed to go down to, and she just never left the mansion. And in 1950, she died in the room adjacent to us on a, on a, a chase lounge. Uh, and part of her last arrangements was that uh, she transferred the ownership of this mansion to the city of Spokane, where it's been ever since, mm -hmm. since 1950. I got involved uh, in, in the mansion when uh, I uh, have taught various things for our community college, uh, history of divination, uh, ghost uh, lore of Spokane, um, 
interesting classes like that, palmistry. And uh, the, the school got a call from the Spokane Parks Department, um, oh, it's been a, maybe 10 years ago, maybe longer, uh, that asked, that said there was uh, what they thought was paranormal activity in the mansion here, and asked because this, these classes were offered, I was teaching them at the time in, uh, uh, at the community college, no longer do uh, those classes there, I teach history now, but uh, uh, asked if we could uh, conduct the classes here and look into some paranormal activity that uh, had occurred. One of the things was that in this window box right over here, uh, the, the staff here for the Parks Department noticed that it's uh, 10 degrees cooler fall, winter, spring, and summer than the rest of the room, let alone the house. It's cold. It's the place where Anna sat. And the room adjacent to us is the dining room, and they, it's, it's empty now, and it's empty usually, unless there's a setting up for a party, and they would, uh, they would hear um, clatter of... Uh, dishes and china and, and silverware and glasses uh, uh, as if uh, it, the table was being set for some big party or dinner and nobody's there. There's not a, not a stitch of furniture in it. Yeah. And then they would also go to various rooms in this mansion and this is a no smoking uh, facility and has been for many, many years before it was even fashionable not to smoke. Uh, but they would find themselves in the middle of, a, of an empty room here in the mansion, and suddenly there would appear a cloud, a visible cloud of cigarette smoke oh, wow. all around them. And it would last for 30, 40 seconds, 45 seconds, and then disappear uh, visually, um, smell-wise, with no residual smell whatsoever. Wow. This interested them. Yeah. And since that time, we've had many... Uh, uh, well, I've had classes here in the mansion. We've had uh, psychics here on at least four occasions. Uh, we've had, uh, well, Charles Johnson's been here on many occasions uh, uh, with his ghost hunting uh, uh, people uh, and, uh, and events like we're, we're having tonight. That's incredible. As far as the activity is concerned, I, I wasn't aware. This is actually my first time in the building. Uh, I was on a tour of yours uh, probably about four or five years ago, and we had driven up, and you had mentioned Corbin Mansion, and it was a different tour, and we can't go in, and I was really bummed. I'm like, it's so gorgeous. I want to go inside, so now the opportunity is here, and thank you so much for allowing us in. Uh, it's very beautiful, and the history, as sad and, and dark as it is in a sense, um, really kind of leaves you feeling a little uneasy, to be honest with you. <laughs> Well, we've had contact with, uh, with mediums okay. uh, uh, who, who believe and, and swear that it's, uh, uh, that it's Hilda uh, and that Hilda is still here and present in a very strong sense and that she welcomes uh, visitors here and she welcomes uh, events like we're having tonight and her story being told because her story wasn't told in her lifetime and she wants to... Uh, uh, she, she wants had to have her story told. Now, we, the arts are belief at some point when enough people, and of course I've written stories in, uh, in our, my books about her as well, uh, at some point she may be satisfied that her story has been told and the, the air cleaned and her honor restored, at which time she may uh, pass on to other places. We don't know that for sure. sure. That's just a a belief that we have. And there's other uh, ghost stories uh, associated uh, uh, w w 
and dark personalities. That cigarette smoke is almost clearly the, uh, the gardener's, chain-smoking gardener's uh, presence, uh, Paulson. I was going to ask, was, you know, D.C. Corbin known for having any smoking or anything? So it's, it's no, the gardener? No, it's Paulson, the gardener, okay. Okay. Uh, was here, uh, we think. Sure. Uh, now, D.C. Corbin, he, he left that terrible will, uh, and he died. But one thing him and his uh, high-priced lawyers didn't count on is that Washington law, at the time he died, is the same as it is today. And that is, despite any provisions of any will, a spouse that survives a dead person has the absolute right to dispose of their body any way they wish. Lawfully, of course. Right. Now, in 1918, when Corbin died, it, it was very unusual to cremate people in America. A lot of the religions, Christians, Jewish religions, um, uh, felt that that was even sacrilege to, dispose, to cremate a body. Mm -hmm. But what Hilda did is actually have his body cremated. And his bones uh, that were in the cremains ground up. And then she had a special metal steel cube made and his cremains placed in that cube and the lid on it welded shut. <laughs> she wanted his spirit to stay in there. And then that's over at uh, Sunrise uh, um, Mausoleum in Fairmont Cemetery. And north of uh, uh, north of Spokane today, you can go in it. It's a very large niche. It says Daniel Chase Corbin, but in there there's a, just this steel box hmm. that he sealed in. No, we, uh, we've never heard any indication that Corbin is presence, mm -hmm. spiritual presence, or vibes uh, in this mansion. But Hilda, yes, every day, every night, we believe that she's our hostess. That might be interesting to see if we can try to communicate with her. Well, I think Mr. Johnson has yep. communicated with her. I've got some good stuff, flashlight and yeah. spirit box. Yes. Super fascinating. I mean, it's always great to learn about the history of Spokane and key players that helped Spokane grow a little bit, good or bad. I mean, it's just, it's history. It's what helped Spokane become Spokane. Well, I've been teaching on the university and college level for about 30 years. And for 19 years, I taught in a major university in the, in the South, in New Orleans, and uh, had to follow all the rules of academia and what I said and what I couldn't say and what I could put in writing and couldn't put in writing. And it was so confining and so ridiculous, I thought. Uh, but when I left that formal university academic setting, and uh, was able to uh, expand my uh, teaching in Spokane, um, then I was able to uh, uh, really bloom and branch out and include local uh, newspaper articles, mythology, ghostology, mm -hmm. uh, which I think is very much a part of the, the living history of a place. Very, very much a part. And, uh, and that's uh, uh, a lot of times it's untold history by the, the stuff shirts in academia, but uh, uh, having been there, done that, I can tell you it's, a, it's a, a lot more vibrant history and probably truthful history to include the things like the paranormal mm -hmm. and, uh, and newspaper accounts that, uh, that cannot be scientifically all the time um, 
footnoted, you know, mm -hmm. with triple references, but nevertheless are the part of this uh, living history of this place we're in. Yeah. What other, or are there any other um, paranormal activity within the building that, that you know of that you can share with us? Or just Hilda? Well, yes, <laughs> I can, but I can't be everywhere at once. And, and uh, Mr. Johnson has, uh, has uh, really uncovered a lot of interesting uh, vibes, so to speak, with, uh, with, with our visitors and guests here. So seeing um, some, some so, success with the, the guests coming through and doing the investigating. Yes, yes they seem to be appreciated uh, by Hilda. And, uh, and we just, uh, we have discoveries and, uh, and uh, dialogue and everything. Uh, I would say, Mr. Johnson, almost every time we're here, huh? Always something. Yeah, that's awesome. Well, Chet, I appreciate this opportunity. Again, thank you so very much. And, and thank you to the city of Spokane for allowing this to happen. Charles, it's been a long time. I haven't seen you since the Montvale Hotel when we had Jane Stewart from Ghost 411 do that awesome walkthrough with us. Yeah, she did pretty some, some pretty amazing work. Uh, I was really impressed with her. Yeah, she she's a great person. Uh, definitely, if you haven't checked her or Stacy Bushnell out, uh, Ghost 411, their podcast is really cool. Ghost411.net's their website. And I believe their last podcast was on my favorite case of, or one of my favorite cases of all time, The Bell Witch. Charles, though, it's great to see you in the hot seat with me. Once again. Now back up to a no good. <laughs> I swear, the, each and every time, this is the last time, I'm, I'm done. And here I am. You're done with me or done with <laughs> the paranormal? <laughs> done with you. No. I wouldn't give up the paranormal. Fair, fair. <laughs> I'm just teasing. How many years have we been at it together? Oh, goodness. Pre-COVID. 2018. So wasn't the very first case we did the uh, Garland Theater? It was, yeah. yeah. All right, so we just heard from Chet Kasky, uh, the ghostologist himself here in Spokane, local historian, phenomenal guy. Um, so wonderful lead into Corbin Mansion. That's where we find ourselves right now. What room is this? The parlor? This is the parlor. This is where the wife of D.C. Corbin would sit in her little sitting area and look over the city of Spokane. And it is said that her ghost still does that routine, sits there and uh, looks over the city. I did set up uh, an energy meter, not a K2, but when a ghost stops, um, little spark devices, uh, it is kind of lighting up. So I'm not sure if she's still sitting there or what exactly, but I do know we've got the Phasma box. You know, uh, I was just at um, St. Ignatius the other night. And you didn't take me? You didn't get my invitation? What? Where'd you send it? Okay, I'm going to be truthful. Yeah. Rose said, don't let her come tonight. <laughs> I'm not speaking to her right now. Rose, she can be rude. Yeah, yeah. but uh, they had the plasma box running, and uh, I didn't hear it, but according to the other group, the name Rose was came across. So. Well, we've had some amazing communication with Rose with the Phasma Box mm -hmm. at St. Ignatius. I mean, hell, we've had some amazing communication with the Phasma Box at Frank Johnson's grave. No doubt. Probably my number one. Yeah. Of all the years I've done this, Same. that's way up there. Yeah. 
So then how, I mean, we talk about devices and whether they're false positives or listening. We didn't even have the computer on at the time that that was happening. Like when we were talking about Frank Johnson's life in, in the President Lincoln's bodyguard episode. So, I mean, mind-blowing. And we didn't have the FASPA box running when Chet was talking. We didn't have the computer up. I want to roll and see if we've got Mr. or Mrs. Corbin here up in this beautiful place. So let's introduce this Phasma box. It's coming in hot. Okay, now, you heard the screaming sound. Well, we're gonna find out. <laughs> Was somebody screaming? So they were... Is there anybody here in the Corbin Mansion that wants to speak with us? spirits are here in the house. Can anybody tell us their name? Sure, what that was, something about. Oh. 
Charles. He's been here many times. Do you recognize him? It's just like... Okay. I think they agree. They know you. He doesn't really believe anything happens here paranormal. Was that a scream again? So, so what I'm hoping for is a little reaction. So... Can you scare Charles for me? Oh yeah. Oh yeah. Oh yeah. So, I want to try this. Who owned this house? What was the name of the owner? Can you tell me that, please? So for fun, what's his name again? I could be making it up. That guy right there. See, now Charles doesn't believe that you're here. Listen to me. That's what I heard. A male voice. Listen to me. What's your name? My spirit. My spirit. Daniel Corbin, are you here with us? Yeah. Like comforting? These are things we haven't heard 
Phasma box. Right. The sorrow it was pretty. I believe he's fine. Mm -hmm. So it said sorrow, and then a comforting thing was said. I believe he's fine. Who's speaking with us? Can anybody, can anybody tell us their name? Okay, well, we're going to have to wrap this up here, I think. Any final messages? Do you like the ghost tours in here? That was... Is Anna still here? No. Is that Daniel talking? Daniel, are you here? Yep. Yep. Right here. Right here. That's what he said. Yeah, right here. Get your K2. That's wild. Can can you light? Yeah, it's going off. Is it? Yeah. Can you light up all the way to red, Daniel? You can do it. You're almost there, man. Keep going. Guys, this K2 is lighting up like crazy. In the middle of the room. Daniel, if this is you, take credit for it, please. There's no explanation. It's in the middle of the air. There's no electrical around it. Thank you, Daniel. That was the same voice just a minute ago. Yeah. Oh, with the red. Can you do it again? Go to red. Gosh. Daniel, why are you still here? Um. All right, Daniel, light that up all the way to red one more time for me, please. Yeah, I'm nothing hard on I know. You can do it. All the way to the red, Daniel, please. All the way to the red, please. Yep. Yeah, you're getting there. You can keep talking with us. Things happen. I'll use all your energy. Turn it to red for us. Are you trying? That's so weird. Right. Do you have any final messages, Daniel, before we turn this off? Do we have it? Now it's dead. Now it's dead. That's crazy. That is nutty. That was wild. 
So I think one thing that we can definitely say, we're going to turn off this phasma box here and wrap this up. Uh, thank you, spirits of Corbin Mansion, for speaking with us. Uh, we hope to come back and talk with you again. Thank you. Very welcome. Oh. <laughs> so we end on that high note of Daniel Corbin setting off the K2, taking credit for it, acknowledging his presence here, saying right here, and telling us that Anna's not here. Killer. That was crazy. That was, I mean, folks, we did it just to see what would happen because we're killing time and we had an opportunity. We, it's not like we were expecting no. what we got. This was, this was almost like the Frank Johnson episode. Mm -hmm. I mean, down to the fact of Corbin saying I'm right here. And then lighting up the K2 as we asked. That's, that's nutty. It's kind of like uh, when you expect a lot to happen, nothing does. Yeah. But when you don't, yeah. kind of like that. We need to shift that mentality when we go yes. to Colfax next. <laughs> I agree. <laughs> All right. Well, I think that concludes this amazing episode here at Corbin Mansion. Guys, if you haven't checked it out, go to visit Spokane. Look for the Corbin Mansion uh, events. Uh, Chet Kasky, he is just incredible. I want to thank him so much for being part of this episode and uh, also agreeing to work with Charles and myself on future episodes. Um, until next time, another Boot Crew case falls in the works. We'll be back, folks, whether you want us or not. It's true. We've got some big stuff coming. <laughs>